Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Podcast. Uh, I'm Josh, and with me today is Mike. How you doing, Mike? Uh, great. This was, uh, this was the most entertaining trade deadline that the NFL has ever had. It was phenomenal. So I'm, I'm really excited to talk today because I love trades. It's one of my favorite things about sports is trades and free agency and that, that signing. It's the, the, like the general manager side of sport has always like really fascinated me. So I'm pumped to talk today. That's good. It was a, a big week for a lot of high scoring games too in week eight. Oh yeah, it was. Yeah. Entertaining football. Um, Tom Brady's officially divorced. Um, you know, rough, another rough week for, uh, for him, both personally and on the field. Um, and Aaron Rodgers uh, can't play football, so it's a good it's a good time. <laughs> <laughs> good time to be alive. <laughs> good time to be an elder statesman in the league. Yeah, no, well, I mean, I guess the only elder statesman who really kind of had a bit of a bounce back was Russell Wilson, though I don't think his points in fantasy were great. He he did win. The team did win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I think he was middle of the pack for this week yeah. which is an, actually a pretty good for him. yeah that's yeah. true that is true i guess if you're going by his standard then yeah. he was he was good uh maybe a little bit better than a non-factor but he yeah i mean they they won right and at the end of the day at least for the players they care less about their stats uh some of them care about their stats but most care less and more about winning games so they did win in cheery old london yep what a, Those, that was a boring game, though. I don't know was if you watched that game. one. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did watch that one before the the one o'clock uh, game. I watched the London one, and yeah, I that was that was the most boring overseas game they've had this year because all the other Europe ones have been quite good. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, well, we'll get into our review of the past week, and then we'll we'll step into the trade deadline. Sounds good. Um, so, looking back at week eight for quarterbacks Jalen Hurts and AJ Brown <laughs> what a combo wow <laughs> just I now that was one that I was watching pretty closely obviously because I have Hurts you have Hurts and yeah. wow it was like every time he threw it deep AJ Brown didn't matter how many receivers or how many cornerbacks were around him he was catching it mm-hmm. it was great mm-hmm. to watch yeah it was that was a that was definitely a wild game it was one of the because there was three early games on Sunday that had pretty high scoring games going. And that was one of them. And it was just inc- like every, I wasn't watching that one. I kind of flipped back and forth, but every time you flip, you flip back, Oh, a touchdown just happened. And here's the replay. And guess what? It's Brown <laughs> catching yeah. from Hertz like every single time. Oh yeah. It was great to watch. Um, one of the other high scoring games was uh, Tua Tagovailoa. Um, started off a little slow. Thanks to, some offensive issues and a surprisingly strong Lions offense. Uh, but he ended up having a great week for fantasy. Yep. Tua's game was good. Um, that game went a little back and forth at the beginning, but eventually, you know, they pulled out the win. But I got to tell you, Detroit's getting somewhat entertaining. I know they have a lot of laughable things about them, but they, they're an entertaining team to watch sometimes. <laughs> yeah. They, and you know what? At least, like, yes, they, they almost always lose. But at mm-hmm. least they kind of make a game of it, you know? They do. Like, it's not until later in the second half that a team starts to run away with it. It's not like, you know, when, when, well, with the Eagles or with the Bills, you know, and the game's over at halftime. Like, mm-hmm. there is still something going on until a bit later in the game. So it's at least Absolutely. entertaining to watch. Yeah, it is. Yep. Makes for entertaining football. Um, Kyler Murray, Justin Fields. Justin Fields has been in the Conqueror section for two weeks in a row now. Yeah, that's the second good week where he's looked a lot I'm interested to see how it goes. But, you know, it's coming through him running the ball. So, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to touch on this later in the starts and sits. Um, But I think that's been a big game change for the offense is that I think they realized finally, hey, we've got a guy who can run the ball. Maybe we should use that. Mm. Uh, Because for the past two weeks, he's had... I think over 60 running yards in each, and I think a touchdown in each, a rushing touchdown for each, which mm-hmm. is great for fantasy. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Russia. And he didn't, the, I think one big thing for him, he didn't throw an interception this week as well. Yes. That's like he's had true. games where he hasn't, but he, he usually hasn't been throwing the ball much when he doesn't have an interception. Like normally if they're throwing a lot, he's he's tossing interceptions. He's been doing it the past couple of weeks. This week, no interceptions. He ran, and I think he he threw at least one touchdown. Maybe he got the second through the I air believe as well. He, I believe Did he, he threw to... two touchdowns. Yeah, that's that makes um, sense. Yeah. But he, he didn't throw an interception, which I think is, is also very good. That's a good sign. Yes. And now he's still not throwing a lot. Like he only had 151 passing yards, I believe. So that's not mm. great. But I mean, if he's running the ball and scoring, then you don't care. And not getting those interceptions. Because you can yes. have a, a game where you've run a touchdown in, thrown two, only 150 yards. But if you throw an interception, that's going to knock off most people four or five points, right? Per interception, depending upon also what happens, like if it's a pick six or what have you. So as far as I'm concerned, if he's not throwing an interception, great. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what you want. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dak Prescott, back to his true form. Uh, Marcus Mariota, surprisingly. Very good week. Kirk yeah, Mariota is an interesting one too. But I mean, we don't have to spend much time on Mariota because he's Mariota. But that was an interesting one. Like he, they had a really good week. I know it was Carolina, but they've got a couple more games against Carolina or Carolina type teams. Where I'm really interested to see if the Falcons like can come alive and and put a run. Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure where they're gonna go. I'm. I don't know. I think it's gonna depend on how Cordero Patterson does once he's back. Yeah, I mean, I was look because I have Cordell Patterson. I was looking at their schedule, and I mean, they played the Chargers this week. But then l- listen to their schedule after that: Carolina, Chicago, Washington, Pittsburgh, bye week. That's pretty light considering. Yeah. Like, I know, I know, Chicago and Washington have shown flashes of being okay. Pittsburgh's had some injury issues, but as far as I'm concerned, you just beat Carolina and scored a lot of points, so you're playing them again. Like Chicago and Washington, unless Fields is going nuts and, and can stay consistent. Chicago's not scoring a lot of points. Washington is all over the place. Pittsburgh, you could beat them. Like they could go four and one in their next five games. Like it's actually possible. So I I just think that that's so interesting to me. And that's what makes Mariota um, and the Falcons like a little more interesting when they've been a non-factor for me all year. <laughs> like a pretty not big non-factor. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, Tyler Algier, he had some success against the Panthers, but a lot of that was through the air out mm-hmm. of the backfield. Now, which, I mean, they do use Cordero in that manner a lot, so he could have a big game, but they didn't get that much. Like, no running back really had a great game in terms of rushing yards, so I'm interested to see. Now, again, they are splitting between Huntley and Algier, so maybe that'll change once Patterson's back and it yeah. might be a different story when there's only one guy. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be a different game the next time they play if Patterson's back. Do, do you know, is he supposed to come back this week or next week? They're saying he could return this week, but I think it's more likely next week. It hasn't been announced officially, but he's been like practicing with the teams. There's some crazy video on social media that he posted of himself running <laughs> that everyone's going nuts about. You know how these things work. <laughs> but I think yeah. from what I was seeing, it's more likely that he'll make the return when they play Carolina again next week, not this coming when they play the Chargers. Oh, okay. That's too bad. The Chargers would be a very good matchup for him. Yeah, it is too bad. Um, it's possible that can change by by the weekend. I mean, I know that, that according to fantasy football, they've they've got him with some projected points, but it was it has not been announced officially, and he was still limited at practice today on the Wednesday. So, hmm. which is when we're recording this. So we'll see. Yes, we shall see. Uh, some quarterback busts last week. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in that boring London game. Uh, not a good matchup for Lawrence. I mean, Denver's defense has been very strong, um, but there's just a lot of issues going on with with Jacksonville outside of Travis Etienne. Yeah, that uh, that offense is just stalled. Yeah, um, Malik Willis. So who <laughs> he 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 took over for Ryan Tannehill this oh, past okay. week, and uh, I. I I don't blame you for not knowing who he was because he literally, he was basically just an 11th body on the field for the Titans. He <laughs> made a total of 10 passing attempts 
and I think only, he threw for 55 yards and an interception. So he's, so he's no Billy Zappa. No, Zappy. he is. He's no Zappy. I mean, honestly, they probably could have just had a pylon out there, and I don't know right. how much of a difference that would have made. Because um, the offense literally went through Derrick Henry. Like, yeah. He was he was the only one doing anything, so they could have just snapped it directly to him, had a pylon out there, and it probably would have been the same thing. <laughs> um, Derek Carr, the entire Raiders offense really did Another nothing. Another team that's just stalled. Yeah, which is weird. Like with how good Josh Jacobs has been, you have Devontae Adams. Um, got I mean, to throw, throw him the ball though. You do. Didn't Devontae yeah. Adams have negative one point or something. Like he didn't even do anything. No, he had one catch, one catch. At, and then he ran the ball and I think lost heritage on that. But I think he still finished with like, in a PPR league, I think he finished with like 1.2 points because okay. of the catch. Yeah, in our league, it was 0.2. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's we don't right. Catches. Yeah. Yes. Negative, negative one rushing yard and plus three receiving yards. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he finished with 1.2 points. Yeah. So yeah, not exactly what you were looking for with no. your top wide receiver pick. No, and it's too bad because, you know, they had the bye week in there, but the three weeks previous, like, he clearly was getting thrown the ball. Like, they won two, lost one. It was all close games. And then they just couldn't do anything against the Saints. No, no. And, uh, well, he ended up getting pulled pretty early in the matchup, I think. Uh, Derek Carr. Um he threw for 100 yards and an interception, and then they yanked him for Jarrett Stidham. So, well, can't blame them. I mean, he no, didn't do anything. No, he didn't. Um, but I think that probably hurt uh, Devontae's fantasy day as well because he doesn't have that same connection with the backup quarterback, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Um, Kenny Bick, uh, Kenny Pickett, sorry, predictably did not do very much against the Eagles' defense. No, um, he had an interception and a fumble. Uh, Sam Ellinger, he did nothing at the uh, lead in the backfield of the Colts. And Daniel Jones, his streak of winning came to a close against Seattle. Uh, he only threw for 176 yards. He never had a touchdown, never had a fumble, nothing. It was just a pretty boring game for Daniel Jones and a bad week if you started him. Yeah, and that, that game specifically showed a little bit, I think, more of the the issues that the Giants have. I think Seattle clearly was the superior team in that game. And I think like they, it was really the first time this year where you've looked at them and said, like, wow, the Giants look like the Giants of yes, like last year. <laughs> so maybe that's what they're going to turn into. Maybe not. I don't know. Like the two New York teams, I'm still, I think, like the jury's out on both of them. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying it for a few weeks now. Like, I don't understand how they've been doing as well as they have been, mm-hmm. where their whole offense is basically Barkley. Yeah. Um, and now this past week, like, as we saw, things kind of went off the rails for them and they ended up losing. So I wouldn't be, I personally wouldn't be surprised if that's more of what's going to happen over the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, especially if you're going up against teams who can have a pretty good run defense, then you're just making you're daring Daniel Jones to beat you through the air. And sometimes he can do it. Like he is called Danny dimes for a reason, but they don't have very good receivers to kind of help him out. So I think it's, uh, if you can shut down Barkley, I think you've done most of the work towards getting a win. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we'll move on to running backs. Travis ETN jr. In his first game since the James Robinson trade, he had a field day. Mm Hmm. Oh my goodness, 156 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. He was basically the only thing that worked for Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, he you you said it. You like you already said it. The he he was the kind of the exception to to that very weak offense. Uh, like the week that they had for the offense. He he was the only one doing anything. Yeah, I I think they're kind of finding themselves in the same position that the Giants are in. Like nothing else is working except for their run game. Hmm. And that only works as long as you can run on the defense. Yeah. Um, Cause like we saw with like when Derrick Henry played the bills, if you can shut down the running back and that's their best weapon, unless their quarterback is able to beat you through the air, then you're screwed. Yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, Alvin Kamara came back. He's uh, finally looked like himself for the first time this year. A rushing touchdown, two receiving touchdowns. If you play in a PPR league, like he probably won you your week, I would say, with nine receptions for almost 100 yards. Yeah, he had a good week. Um, Christian McCaffrey with the hat trick. <laughs> a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown, and a receiving touchdown. Wow. Yeah, he uh, he's fitting into that offense in week two really well. Um, the, those 49ers, uh, they're, they're about to get Mitchell back too. Um, he, he might play after the bye week. Um, that's the thing though. I don't think they're going to use him. like maybe as a third down back, but even then McCaffrey's a great receiving back. So I don't know mm-hmm. what role Mitchell would have. I think they'll throw him in there for a couple, like two back strikes, like just to, just to give, like if they get him going a little bit in the game, even if it's like, Oh, too, too good two good handoffs, two good runs, then your defense just starts panicking when both of them come on the field. Like, I think they'll use him as almost a fullback kind of secondary back to be there, cause a little bit of trouble, make you guess and think. Like, I agree. I think Christian McCaffrey's got to play most of your downs, but I think they'll work him in a little bit. Like, I I really do. Or they might have considered trading him along with with Jeff Wilson when they traded him. Like, they might have moved him. But I think they figure, hey, we can... We can do something. Like, I don't know if he'll be for fantasy. He's going to be a huge factor. But I think he might, for their offense, provide a little bit of of something a little different in there. Yeah, I think for fantasy, his value is is pretty much gone unless McCaffrey gets hurt, which I think might be a reason why they've they've retained him. Because um, mm-hmm. they, they were confident with him as the starter prior to all this. So I think if McCaffrey goes down, he can resume that role without any issues. But... I don't know, I, I could see them using him just as like on third down, use him as the pass blocking back and have McCaffrey yeah. line up out wide. Yeah. Uh, I could easily see them doing that, which gives you nothing for fantasy, but he's still an asset to the team Yeah, in, in the NFL, like in real football. Yes. And that's exactly what I think is going to happen. And I think that that makes them a formidable opponent, which we'll talk about a little bit in our uh, trade deadline talk. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Derrick Henry, like I said, he was the literally the entire offense. He had 32 carries, which is just crazy, and he made the most of them. Tony Pollard, with Ezekiel Elliott being out, oh my god, he had a good game. Mm. I was playing against him. I'm glad he didn't score more points than he did. Um, three touchdowns, 131 yards. One happened when the game was already pretty much over. And he just broke free and decided to run 50 yards down the field and score. That was fun to watch. Uh, Dante Foreman, he had three touchdowns this week. So he was he was pretty much the only thing that kept the Panthers in it for as long as they were. Uh, DJ Moore had the great Hail Mary catch, but without Foreman, I, they wouldn't have they would have been blown out. Yeah. Dalvin Cook, Jamal Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, Nick Chubb all had great, uh, great weeks for fantasy. Uh, moving into the busts, James Robinson. So, like I said last week, he was going to split split work with Michael Carter, and it was a terrible matchup. And that he did nothing with five rushing attempts. Nope, he did absolutely nothing with all the attempts he was given. If he had done something a little bit with one of them, he might have gotten a little bit more. <laughs> but he did absolutely nothing, and so they decided, yep, we're not going to do this anymore. Another tough yeah. matchup for them this week, too, because they've got the Bills. Like That's going to be a tough one for the Jets. Yeah, going against the Patriots and then the Bills, that's a, a hard way to learn a, an offensive system. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian Robinson had a bad week, and he actually shed a lot of work to Antonio Gibson. So mm-hmm. he went from being like the clear cut starter to, I think he only had one more carry than Antonio Gibson this past week. So that, that backfield's just becoming a mess each week. I don't know what the commanders are really doing. Uh, Daryl Henderson jr. I mean, the Rams just continue to not have a run game. They never traded cam acres. They're not going to play him. I don't know what they're doing with him. Yeah. Um, Daryl Henderson Jr. is clearly not the answer. I heard some rumors about him being traded too. 
Um, nothing obviously happened with that, but I had heard that that like from different sites that I was reading that Henderson they were shopping him around a little bit, which would have been like, so you're not going to play Cam Akers, and then you're going to trade Henderson? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I I don't know what they're doing, but they need to figure something out because Stafford needs some help. Mm-hmm, definitely. So you you can only hyper target Cooper Cup for so long before the defense stops you, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um, Jonathan Taylor, if you took Jonathan Taylor with your first round draft pick, you have been hurting this season. He's been back and forth between being injured. He re-aggravated his ankle injury this past week. He only had 76 yards on the ground, he, but he lost a fumble, so he didn't even get the full value out of that. It's It's been rough if you have him. Absolute bust. Yeah, unfortunately. And, I mean... It's kind of hard because everyone knows that he's all they really have. I think if Matt Ryan had maybe performed better or if they had got brought a different quarterback in who could have mm-hmm. unlocked the passing game a bit more, then maybe the season would have been different for him. But yeah. as it stands, I mean, they know you're giving him the ball and all they have to do is focus on him, right? Yeah. And uh, moving on to wide receivers. So we already talked about A.J. Brown. Great game. DeAndre Hopkins. So if you were patient enough, like myself, to keep him (laughs) on your bench for six weeks, he has he returned value immediately. Yeah, I mean, his connection with like Murray, talk about chemistry. Like they picked up right where they left off last year because they had they both had great years together last year. Um, And Hopkins had an incredible week. Um, Is it sustainable? We'll see. But that was, like, they they just were incredible. What did he have, like, 160, 159 yards or something like that? 159 and a touchdown. And a touchdown. See, there you go. Like, that's, and and still 100 yards the week before, I think. Didn't he have, because technically he played against New Orleans. I don't. He did play against New Orleans. I don't remember what he had. I think he had, I think he had 100 yards, but I don't think he had a touchdown or anything. Like, he had a much better, but I think he still broke 100. He had 103 yards and 10 receptions against yeah. uh, New Orleans. So there you go. That's two weeks of pretty solid work from him. Oh, yeah, especially in a PPR league. Mm-hmm. Um, but now, it, it, for if it's sustainable, it's definitely sustainable until at least until Marquise Brown comes back because mm-hmm. with him gone, Hopkins is the only one that Murray wants to throw the ball to, it seems. Mm-hmm. Um whether or not that'll stay the same once Marquise Brown comes back, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think you got to be willing. Like he, he, even with Marquise Brown there, he's still going to be the top target. He just you, you'll probably just see a a cutback in his target share, right? Um, which I mean, he's still efficient enough that okay, if he goes from getting ten and twelve catches to he only gets seven or eight, he's still going to have a great game. So I don't. I think he's he's still going to be valuable for the rest of the season regardless of what happens um he just might not produce at an elite level the entire time yeah yeah Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both had great games um Hill definitely seems to be the preferred target but Waddle just seems to have more of a nose for the end zone I guess which is kind of surprising um because it's not like it's not like uh Tua is targeting Waddle exclusively when they get in close it just it always seems to be like Waddle manages to break free around the 20 yard line and take it in. Yeah. And I watched that game all the way through. And, and I think, I do think the targeting was relatively equal. The biggest difference seemed to be Tyreek Hill in an open field when he has space can get you so much more yardage. So he's, he like, he, he gets, I think a few more targets because you know, he's probably going to make a play on it. Even the few times that he didn't, and he either dropped the ball or was incomplete, it was so close that it that like that's fifty fifty. Almost every ball is a fifty fifty, even if it's yeah. A there ball. there were a few uh, a few fifty fifty balls that would have been. I mean, I mean, he still had a great fantasy day, but it would have been even better if he had managed to bring in one of them because like they were thirty or forty yard passes. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm just looking at to his targets there so Tyreek had 14 targets Waddle had nine and then 
Gesicki was the next closest who had four. Four. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty big gap there. <laughs> yeah. It's just running through those two, obviously, which I mean is to be expected. Mm-hmm. Uh, DJ Moore, he had a big game thanks to that end of the game Hail Mary touchdown catch, um, which uh, you could argue ended up costing them the game, really, uh, where he got the penalty for taking his helmet off and then the kicker missed the extra point. Yep. So, I mean, questionable if you should have called it a, a penalty or not. I mean, he was off the field when he took his helmet off. But, I mean, and he was excited. I get that. Mm-hmm. Maybe a bit more self-awareness. You know, like, the league has been pretty strict on what they consider taunting over the last season and this season. So, probably could have seen it coming, too. But I'm I'm not really going to fault him for making that kind of a catch and then taking his helmet off, out, off the yeah. field, you know? Yeah. But just unfortunate that that's how it shook out for them. Um, Rondell Moore, Cooper Cup, Stefan Diggs, Mari Cooper. Um, they all had great weeks this week. Some busts, though. Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. We already talked about the Raiders offense. They did nothing. Uh, Cortland Sutton. He uh, only brought in one reception for 13 mm-hmm. yards. Now, Russell Wilson was playing very poorly. I mean, he ended up winning, but it was not a great day for fantasy. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sutton only had four targets. He was middle of the pack for the entire team in terms of targets. So we're seeing a pretty steep decline in the amount that they're willing to throw to him. And I know we touched on that last week, but the the, the trend is still continuing, and that's not a good sign. No, no, it really isn't. Um, Robert Woods, Wandale Robinson, Gabe Davis. Uh, Gabe Davis... He hurt you if you started him. He only had two receptions for 35 yards. Yeah, uh, he did He did not have a great game. No, and I I was only watching that one kind of briefly, and I saw a few times that it looked like Allen was targeting him deep, and he just couldn't bring it in. Uh, yeah. But really, the whole Bills offense kind of just went away in the second half anyways. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they built up a, a pretty good lead. And they just didn't really like it's something I've noticed about the Bills a bit. Like they're they're very fierce in the first two quarters. But once they get a really big lead, the offense doesn't have that same killer instinct, it seems. It just kind of dissipates. And not that they're not playing, like some teams will obviously, like we talked about, rest people for the fourth quarter if they've got a really big lead. But in this game, I mean they yeah, they had a two, three score lead for most of the game and their starters were out there, but they just weren't like, they weren't attacking. They weren't doing anything. Yeah. I found that issue with the Eagles too. Um, Mm. They score a lot of their points in the first half and in the second half, I don't know if they just take the foot off the pedal or, or what, but they tend to, they tend to ease off as well. Um, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're getting all your points in the first half, as long as it's still a good, good fantasy day i mean you can't really complain too much i guess but yeah it is frustrating to see like come halftime oh well i guess that's all i'm getting today yep (laughs) some tight end conquerors for this week we had uh, tyler conklin he was one of the few options for the jets that actually did well he had two touchdowns Uh, kyle pitts brought in another touchdown so his second good week of the whole year evan ingram zach ertz Dalton Schultz all had good games. Uh, Both tight ends for the Patriots, unfortunately, did absolutely nothing for you. Same with both uh, tight ends for the Seahawks. Mm -hmm. And Juwan Johnson for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, We already said Alvin Kamara was the star of the show. And basically, if, if you were anyone else on the Saints, you did nothing this week. So that is it for week eight. So let's move on to the trade deadline. Yep. The, the uh, most active trade deadline in NFL history. Was it really? Yeah. That's what they were saying. Yep. The most deals that have ever been made um, wow. at, at a deadline. I was getting a little worried because like it was pretty late in the day by the time the trade started coming out. Yeah. I think the, the deadline was four o'clock Eastern. And I think what ended up happening was by between two and four, most of the trades came in. They had one or two in the morning, and then it really 
started to pick up. Yeah, I was, uh, I don't know. I, I guess I just expected there to be some more maybe earlier in the morning. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but either way, we still got the action there. So let's uh, take a look at some of those trades. We had the Lions sending tight end TJ Hawkinson to their division rival, the Vikings. Mm-hmm. That was a big deal. Um, that's so interesting to me. I mean, I know that there, I guess there's an injury uh, that they're filling, right? Like their, their starter tight end is hurt. Um, yes, Irv Smith was placed Smith. on the injured reserve due to, I believe, a high ankle yeah. sprain. And Hawkinson so, is obviously a former Pro Bowl, like all-star <laughs> tight end. So, I mean, he's obviously good. Oh, yeah. I, I 100% understand why the Vikings went for him, especially with Irv Smith being injured. I don't quite understand why the Lions got rid of him. Um, I do believe there was some contract issues coming into this season with Hawkinson, and I think he wanted some more money. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just saw it as a way to kind of get some value from him without having to just without having to pay him what he wanted, I guess. Yeah. But you sent him to your division rival who is doing much better than you this year, and you didn't get that great of a return. No, you got, a second and a third. Yeah, like, I mean, it's not a bad return on it, but considering his how desperate Minnesota would have been for an elite tight end, if that's what they were going after, I mean, I feel like he probably could have got more from them, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think it really, I don't think it really changes much for Hawkinson, though, in terms of uh, his fantasy value, where he's going to a team that's got Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I don't really see, and Kirk Cousins, I don't really see as that. I mean, he's better than Jared Goff, but I don't think he's going to be targeting Hawkinson when he's got Jefferson out there, right? Yeah, I I feel like the only thing is I do think it matters the amount of meaningful games you're playing throughout the season. So Hawkinson, I think, is going to get a chance to be in pretty close games. Not that, again, like we said, the Lions have kept some games close, but then the second half just falls apart. Hawkinson is going to be on a team that's either going to be leading winning games or close or keeping it close and in like a playoff hunt. So I do feel like as he might get a few more red zone touches, which could lead to, to touchdowns, like they might roll out and try to hit him for, for some red zone things. And that might happen. That's the only thing that I would say could make a difference, but you're probably right. He's probably going to be very similar to what he had with Detroit, which was good. Like when Hawkinson's going, he's great. He's a great tight end and he's good to have on your, on your team. Um, but yeah, I would agree with that. I, I don't, th- I think it's, if anything, it's a tiny bump, you know, like if you, if you were like, Oh, Hawkinson, he's like a six out of 10 in terms of like playing for fantasy, maybe he's a 6.5 now, <laughs> you know, like a little tiny bump. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to wait and see. Cause like they, they do target, the tight ends, especially in the red zone, a decent amount, I think. But there's not a guarantee that they're going to throw it to him either, right? Like no. Irv Smith was playing in this past game, and I had listed him as a starter because I figured where Arizona is weak against the tight end that they would go to him. Um, but it was Johnny Munt, who his only catch of the day happened to be in the red zone for a, a touchdown, and he's their second string tight end. And so, Dalvin Cook looked well rested coming off of his bye week, so <laughs> yeah, got, he got some touches and some opportunities. <laughs> yeah, Dalvin Cook had a pretty good game against them. Which, too, does, so. like, honestly, the running game can take away from tight ends a bit because then they end up being used primarily in blocking situations, um, yes. which I think takes them out of consideration for like if you're running the ball a bit more, you're kind of looped into just blocking. Whereas with passes, you become one of three or four targets that are out there, so you have like a twenty five percent chance at least of like getting something. So yeah, I think when your running game really gets going, which Minnesota has two pretty solid running backs. So yeah. So again, I think it all kind of evens out for Hawkinson really. Right. Like, yeah. Well, it's good. Um, but we'll see. Uh, Chase Claypool from the Steelers traded to the Chicago bears. Yeah. I think, I think that's another one. It doesn't really make that much of a difference. 
Um, the Packers were reportedly in on Claypool. I think that would have been a better, in terms of fantasy, I think that would have been a better destination. Definitely. Um, definitely. I, I mean, going from Pittsburgh to Chicago, yeah, I don't think that's much of a bump up for, for Claypool. Like, really. No, um, I think you're getting, maybe you're getting a bit better of quarterback play, at least for this season. Yeah. But we are, like we just said with Justin Fields, like his fantasy success is coming in the past two weeks from him running the ball. It's not coming from him throwing the ball. Like Darnell Mooney led the team in receptions and targets and yardage last week, and he only had 70 yards. I so, mean, would Claypool be your number two target as a wide Because like Mooney would be number one. Would Claypool be number two? I think so. Like, they don't have anyone else really. Yeah, like, okay. They gave, up a second, they gave up a second round draft pick for him. So they must figure he's, you know, the number two receiver now. Like, you've got to, to give up a second round draft pick is very valuable to give that up. I, I mean, he if he if he came in and he was playing the way he did in his rookie season for Pittsburgh, he could easily become the number one. But I think just the way Chicago is right now, I think they're all just taking off of each other unfortunately like yeah Dante Pettis Dante Pettis and Darnell Mooney both had five targets everyone else had two or three targets like no one's really separating themselves as like I'm the guy who's getting the ball Mm -hmm. so and Claypool has had a lot of success being a deep threat receiver but I don't see Fields chucking the ball down the field deep like I don't see I just don't see that in his game no, and, and Darnell Mooney is good at that as well. So mm-hmm. you kind of have two guys who can do the same thing now. Like, they're, I think they're just going to cancel each other out. Yeah. That'll unless be something changes. Yeah. yeah. It'll, like, unless it will be interesting changes. to see. Because maybe Claypool, if he can capture some of the magic of his rookie year, then that would help the Bears. Like, the Bears must just be figuring, okay, yeah, we'll give up a valuable draft pick because we have a chance here to to challenge for a division where the Packers are being like really weak um, where you know they they figure they have a shot um, at pushing you know for a playoff spot here like they must figure they have a chance um, but yeah I, I don't know that, that that was definitely one where I felt the same as you where I'm just like does that really make a big difference like for him at least in fantasy like probably not yeah I don't know. I mean, I think it's all going to come down to if he can reignite that spark or not. And yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards not personally. Uh, we had Bradley Chubb going to the Dolphins to this is a big one. beef up their defense. And the Broncos picked up a first round pick and Chase Edmonds. And Chase Edmonds. I mean, they're like, to me, that changes on two things because Edmonds was really not being used much these past week by the Dolphins. He hasn't been used much since week one. So I'm not surprised that they got rid of him. Um, And I think think that helps Chase Edmonds. You know, actually, you know what? I don't really know if it does or not because they're using Melvin Gordon and Latavius Murray pretty much interchangeably. So now Mm -hmm. we're adding a third guy into that. And when Javante Williams comes back, he's going to hopefully take over as the number one running back. Maybe he'll end up splitting with someone like he has been, but that's a fourth body there now. So someone's got to go. I just don't understand why. I think it's, I don't understand why they went with a running back, maybe a wide receiver. Sure. I think it's because they know Wilson can't throw the ball. Like I'm, I'm obviously being facetious. Like, of course he can throw the ball, but you know what I'm saying? Like he just, they doesn't have much left. He has not been, Russell Wilson has not been great this year. He's shown flashes of pretty good, but he hasn't been great. So I, I think they, they either they either know something we don't, and Williams isn't coming back, or they figure that Edmonds and they're having four running backs can can become quick throws out, um, throws out of the backfield, quick plays like they using them and and running and blocking and using them out of the backfield more and not letting Russell Wilson sit back in the pocket and fling it. Now, now Chase Edmonds is very good as a receiving back, so maybe mm-hmm. that is their intention. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. I think they could have had more value if you know 
they got a first round pick, maybe yep. get a second or a third in addition to it. And just because obviously this season is a write off. So maybe yeah. just focus more on next year. You'll have Javante yeah. Williams back. You can decide what you want to do with Russell Wilson. You've got two first round picks. Uh, I think they still have their own. Um, yeah. No, and it's good. It, and I, I like this deal for Miami. Like, I think it makes total sense for Miami. It beefs up their defense. It moves a piece, like you're saying, that they're not using. But but on the Denver side, yeah, I, they could have gotten more, I think, for a key defensive piece. Yeah, and, and I mean, the Dolphins needed it. Their defense has been brutal lately. Like, oh, yeah. the Lions if, should not have been able to keep that game as close <laughs> as it was. No, and if the Dolphins are going to compete in the playoffs, they're going to have to have a stronger defense than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, also, also speaking of the Dolphins, so they picked up Jeff Wilson Jr. from the 49ers for a draft pick. Oh, so like, wow, <laughs> they uh, basically just swapped out one backup running back for another at this point. I mean, I mean, Wilson, I think, is a stronger choice than Edmonds. But you're right. Like, is Wilson really going to get much more touches with Miami? No, I think he's going to have the same same as Chase Edmonds. Like, maybe he'll get yeah. some goal line work, maybe. He'll get a drive here or there, but it seems pretty clear they want to use Raheem Mostert. And it also yeah. seems pretty clear that they just want to throw the ball because yeah. they're going to lean on Tua. Yeah, and I mean, they did what they did do a good job at doing is when they established a strong running game, it makes the other defense, the defense they're playing, it makes them have to cover two things. So by yeah. having Wilson back there, they probably figure, hey, now we've got two backs, and again, we can make your defense think. That we're not just going to go to our big receivers. We've got some running backs that are talented. And if we can establish a running game, then they can get their offense going. Because they did, even against the Lions, they had a good running game going. You know, they were they were flinging it, but they were using the running game, you know, sparingly, but with getting some yardage. They were taking some heat off of the throwing game. Like, they, they did a good job. So they probably that just was... figure for a, what was it, a fifth round pick? For I'm nothing. Not even sure. get, yeah. it was It was something like that, where you get... <laughs> Jeff Wilson like that's great um yeah it was a fifth round pick um I was kind of surprised that they didn't use the running game more just with how weak Detroit is to the run game mm-hmm. but when you're having that much success through the air yeah I mean, when Tyree kills making incredible catches and having like a yeah. hundred and something yards before oh well over a hundred yards before the half <laughs> it's pretty yeah. good <laughs> if, if it's not broke don't fix yeah, it exactly um Falcons the Atlanta Falcons traded Kelvin Ridley to the Jaguars. So obviously this deal means absolutely nothing for this season where he's suspended for the entire season due to betting on a, uh, on the NFL last year. <laughs> yeah. But I think this is a great move for the Jaguars for next year because you now have an elite receiving option. And I think that will be, you'll, you'll know next year if Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to, perform well in the NFL or not because he he has not had like an elite talent so far I think Christian Kirk is probably the best receiver he's been able to throw the ball to so far in his career and Calvin Ridley is a great NFL receiver so mm-hmm. if if they can ignite some sort of connection I think that will drastically turn around the perception of Trevor Lawrence and mm-hmm. help Jacksonville actually be able to They'll have a, a good one-two punch with Travis Etienne in the backfield. Hmm. Um, the Falcons, I mean, I think they're just kind of saying they're cutting their losses at this point, really. Hmm. Um, they, they're they getting a sixth-round pick, maybe a fifth-round pick in 2023. And then, depending on how Ridley does, it could be anywhere up to a second-round pick in 2024. So they're not getting... They could get nothing, really, of value out of it. But... It's kind of hard to hard to get more value than that when the player is suspended for the entire season. So, yeah, no, definitely. It's an next year uh, deal. That's all it is. Absolutely, yep. Just building up for for next year. Um, did Did you have any other take on that? Or, um, I guess, I guess I'm just I'm always uncertain when a especially in football when a player has any sort of issues outside of the game with either the league or with the law or something now this is a very specific thing like being caught betting and Ridley was having a quite a good career um coming up to it 
I'm just a little, I would be a little nervous thinking, will he even ever play for them? Like, that's the only thing I would think when acquiring that, but they must figure, you know, the suspension is going to be served. He's going to be back in the league next year and he can do it. I'm sure they wouldn't make this deal, but it does like so many conditions and the conditional picks they gave up. It just makes me feel like, well, is there a possibility he's just not going to play for you or not going to play at all? Is that a possibility? Is he going to pull an Antonio Brown? Like, we don't know. I know that's a specific example, but we have (laughs) seen it more than once happen where a player, even at the top of their game or at a good level of their game is no longer in the league suddenly. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he, he did leave last year for mental health reasons, which Mm -hmm. completely understand. And if that's what you need to do to take care of yourself, then absolutely do it. Uh, But, and and I think that probably played into the whole gambling thing because it happened while he was off. Um, so maybe that will be something that they have to deal with, uh, next year, you know, if he's still struggling with his mental health, but if he comes back and he's back to full force, then that's an elite weapon for your offense and well Agreed. worth what they paid for. Yep. Him. And it's what, um, and it's what Lawrence needs, frankly. Oh, absolutely. And, and honestly, I don't understand the, the punishment that he got. Obviously you can't have people betting on the games cause that ruins the integrity of the game, yeah. but He's on long-term injured reserve because he's not playing football and he's betting on his own team. Yes, a punishment, 100%, but he's getting a full season. And we've seen time and time again, brutal cases of domestic violence in the NFL. And they get six like a few games, six yeah, games, six games at most like that. the issue oh, going on ridiculous. with the issue going on with Deshaun Watson. He didn't even uh, get a full season. 11 games, right? Is yeah, he got 11, said, yeah. 11 yeah. games. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, a ridiculous standard that you're So, absolutely. yeah, I, I can certainly understand, you know, they have to protect the integrity of the game and there should be a suspension 100%. But and I think it would have been different, you know, if he was playing in the game and then he bet on the other team to win, because yeah. then that's mm-hmm. a whole other can of worms. Right. But he's sitting on the couch at home and he puts a bet down on his teammates like, hey, my team's going to win. I think that's very different things. And I don't think they looked at it through that lens at all. No, I think think they they just just looked at it as gambling. Like they didn't, they didn't put context at all. And And they, it was, they threw the book at him. They a hundred percent. You're a hundred percent right. And that, that may just be, then he just comes back and picks up where he left off. Missing a year is a big deal. Um, It is. So for any athlete at any level. So hopefully, yeah, he comes back and everything's good. There's just, that would be just a little hesitancy. But again, what did they give up? A couple conditional picks that change based upon how much he plays. So there you go. Like, it's not a huge risk for the Jaguars. Um, so I get why they did that because it's what they've been sorely lacking. They need that big offensive piece for, for Lawrence. Absolutely. Uh, we're starting to run low on time. So just one more trade to talk about. Um, Naheem Hines going from the Colts to Buffalo. I, uh, I was afraid Buffalo was going to do absolutely nothing Yeah, <laughs> with all these other, well, all these, like here, here you've got Miami doing a bunch of deals and all these other teams are making trades. And like even Kansas city brought in a receiver, Buffalo hadn't done anything. This came in. I think this was reported after four o'clock. Like it just got into. Yeah. Deadline. That and was a very late one after. Yeah. It was very late. I don't know. I, I don't know how much of a fantasy impact that will have for Heinz. Um, yeah. I don't Probably imagine they'll use him over Singletary. I think maybe they'll use him as the third down back. Third down back, yeah, I yeah. think so. Which, which has which has value uh, in the Bills' offense. It's kind of like with the Kansas City Chiefs. Like any offensive piece really has value, mm-hmm. um, and I think definitely more value than with the Colts. But I don't know what the Colts are really going to do with Jonathan Taylor's injury coming back, going away, coming back. Mm-hmm. He's not performing well, and now we're getting you're getting rid of your second best running back. So yeah. I don't know if they're just looking to the future at this point, or yeah. Or like, what. To me, I think the the Colts wanted to go with a younger back, get Zach Moss, someone who's younger, who's shown flashes of being you know strong in the league. So I think that that's what they figure there. And for the Bills, I think you hit it on the head. I don't think this is going to be a huge fantasy impactful trade but i think the bills add a third down back who's consistent who's got some success in the league they're gearing up for a playoff run um it gives you another option other than singletary that you can trust and i think that that's good yep absolutely 
So we'll move into the start sits for this week. Uh, so like we always tell you, you can get the full article at conqueredraft.com. By the time this podcast is released, it will be live. Um, we'll start with our quarterbacks for this week. So we've got Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, and Geno Smith. Yeah, I mean, talk to me about uh, about Aaron Rodgers. I, listen, I know, I know they're playing the Lions. I know that, but... Did you see him play the Commanders? I saw him play the Commanders, but I also saw him play with the Bills for at least the first half. I didn't get to finish that game, and he didn't look terrible. No, not terrible, no. Um, And if he can pull that off against the Bills, then he should be able to do something against the Lions. But I also think this is like, like, if you've held on to Rodgers this long, I think this is your... This is your opportunity. (laughs) This is it. Like, if this game goes sideways for him there is no point in keeping him anymore. Like yeah. not, not even on your bench, just ditch him because this yeah. is the worst defense in football. And if he's not going to, if he's not going to play well against them, he's not going to play well ever. <laughs> so mm-hmm. even with his, his receiving core being beaten up and not really doing well, this is still such a good matchup. Even if he's throwing the ball to Aaron Jones, he should still be able to do well. Yeah. And maybe his witch doctor girlfriend can do some, different spells on him this week and he'll get going man you just hate this guy <laughs> i i do not like aaron Rodgers. i'm not shy about it i think he's an absolutely just terrible human being but we'll we'll move on <laughs> we'll move on well, to running backs yeah we'll move on to running backs let's go <laughs> so we've got josh jacobs aaron jones devin singletary and kenneth walker the third I mean, Devin Singletary, we've talked about him. Uh, he's a start now. That's that's interesting to me because we've talked about how they're utilizing him. Doesn't uh, He's not a huge part of their offense each week. No, he's not. But in the past uh, in the past four games, he's had double-digit carries in three of those four. And I, th- I think it's very fair to say that they are going to be playing with a lead for probably the majority, if not the entirety, of this game. So that's always good for running backs. The issue that I think that they're going to have is, and the reason why you might be hesitant to play him, is that I think they're going to get out to such a big lead that they're going to take their starters out of this game. Uh, and I, you're just hoping at that point that he gets enough, enough run. points, yeah. Yeah, he gets enough carries and enough running yards or a touchdown before they get out, and he gives you a good enough fantasy return. So yeah. unfortunately, that is not a guarantee by any means. But the matchup is just so good, and the Bills are are using him more in the past four weeks than they have been to start the year. So the opportunity is certainly there. Whether or not he can capitalize on it, unfortunately, we'll have to wait and see. Okay. Um, wide receiver starts for the week. DeAndre Hopkins, Terry McLaurin, and Jalen Waddell. All right, talk to me about Terry McLaurin. So in the past two weeks, he's actually had a bit of a resurgence, and... I think that is solely due to the quarterback switch from Carson Wentz getting injured and switching to Taylor Heineke because Heineke is willing to throw the ball down the field, which is what McLaurin is good at. Mm-hmm. He is that that deep threat. Mm-hmm. And in this matchup this week, they're, uh, they're going up against the Minnesota Vikings, who I think we're expecting to ha- be in the lead for probably a majority of this matchup as well. Yeah. So that's great for McLaurin because they're going to need to be trying to get points and he should be getting targeted down the field. So all he needs to do is bring in one deep catch for your touchdown, and he's giving you a good fantasy week at that point, right? Yep, and I think you're right. Like, with Heineke, that is a better chance of happening. Oh, yeah, ab- he's, absolutely. He's going the ball deep, like he's doing it. So. Um, for tight ends, we've got Zach Ertz, Gerald Everett, and Darren Waller. Okay, come on. Darren Waller. <laughs> so uh, obviously, obviously, this is predicated on if Waller plays. Yeah, because there's a chance he's not even playing this week. <laughs> there is a chance he doesn't play, and if he doesn't play, then obviously don't start him unless you just want to <laughs> throw your week. Yeah, just to yeah. be sh- just to be clear to our listeners, yeah. conquer your draft is not suggesting you start him if he's injured. Yes, exactly. But uh, if he does play, I think he does open up their passing game a lot more because he does give a second trusted target to De- uh, Derek Carr. Right. And it also helps take, uh, it, it can work two ways. It will either let leave him a lot more open because the defense is hyper-focusing on Adams or 
he's going to draw some of the focus away and Adams will get a lot more passes because he's more open. It, it could go either way. Obviously, only one of those benefits Waller in terms of fantasy. But if the Jaguars insist on focusing on Adams, which the smart money would say they should, then he should be able to take up a lot of those targets uh, because of Adams getting possible double coverage or whatever the defensive scheme is. So if he plays, I think that he just opens up the offense a bit more. And I think they're going to be playing pretty angry and pissed off. So they're going to want to run up the score a bit. And Jaguars defense is not scary. So they certainly can do it. Okay, there you go. I will move on to the sits. So we've got uh, quarterback Sam Ellinger, Zach Wilson, and Malik Willis or Ryan Tannehill. Doesn't really matter which one of them starts. Well, why don't you talk about Sam Ellinger? All right. So he didn't have a great first week, and it's about to get worse because now they're taking on the Patriots. So obviously Justin Fields had a great game against the Patriots, and that was kind of a, a shocker. But they went back to their true form last week and took Zach Wilson to the woodshed. So now you know Bill Belichick knows Jonathan Taylor is the core of the Colts offense. So he's going to shut down Jonathan Taylor as best as he can and force Ellinger to beat them through the air. And mm-hmm. I don't I don't think that's happening. I think yeah. maybe Michael Pittman might have a end up having a pretty decent game because he's going to get the ball thrown to him so many times. But I don't think Sam Ellinger is going to be able to do very much because they're going to be pressuring him. He's a he's a rookie. Bill Belichick is famous for obliterating rookie QBs. Yeah. Um, like uh, remember Sam Darnold a few years ago, he was out oh, there yeah, s- seeing ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think we can expect that to happen this week. Um, we'll move on to running backs. We've got James Robinson, Leonard Fournette and David Montgomery. Okay. Considering where Chicago is right now and, and you know, the stronger weeks they're having talk about David Montgomery. So Montgomery has been slowly giving away more and more carries to Khalil Herbert as the season mm-hmm. has dragged on. And like we already talked about with Justin Fields, he's running the ball a lot more, which takes a lot more away from David Montgomery. So despite the Lions managing to have three touchdowns last week, there's no guarantee that he's going to get it because honestly, it's kind of a coin flip if it would be Montgomery or Herbert who gets those goal line rushes or goal line passes that uh, Detroit was able to do so well against the the Dolphins. And then the way they've been relying on Justin Fields Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just running it in near the goal yeah, line anyways, because he's done that the past two weeks. <laughs> yeah, that'll take so. away from your running back if your QB calls his own number too many times. Yeah, so just he doesn't have that stranglehold anymore, and it's unfortunate because that's what made him a good fantasy option, but it is where we are now. Yeah. Um, so wide receivers, we've got Michael Pittman Jr., Garrett Wilson, and Christian Kirk. Well, um, you made a swap, so I want to talk about the swap. Uh, Christian Kirk, you brought him in to this list um, from nothing to a sit. So why did you make that change and why Christian Kirk? So over the past five weeks, Kirk has only passed four receptions once. Hmm. So on top of that, Trevor Lawrence and the entirety of the passing game has been just terrible. And Kirk started out as like the go-to guy for the passing game over the first few weeks of the season. Now it's kind of become like the Chicago receiving. Everybody gets some, you know, it's like Oprah Winfrey's (laughs) out there. Like you get a pass, you get a pass, you get a pass. So that's not great for Kirk when your team's struggling to pass the ball and you're not the lone target anymore. Everybody's Mm -hmm. getting it. So it's just not, not a great, uh, not a great outlook for fantasy. Like I think they'll be throwing the ball a lot. And I think Trevor Lawrence could actually have a good game this week because the, uh, the Raiders' defense is very terrible against opposing quarterbacks. <laughs> Talk about two teams that need to have a good game, that matchup. <laughs> well, exactly. The Raiders versus the Jacks, wow. <laughs> yeah, but I just there's no guarantee that Kirk is going to be even heavily involved, let alone have a good week. Yeah, that's uh, fair. So real quick, we'll go over the tight ends. We've got Tyler Conklin, Juwan Johnson, and Mike Gesicki. Okay, Tyler Conklin. Tyler Conklin. So the Jets are going up against the Buffalo Bills. <laughs> that is going to be a terrible experience for the entire Jets offense. And they're obviously going to be playing from behind and throwing the ball a lot, but mm-hmm. we've, we haven't seen anything from Zach Wilson to suggest that he's even close to capable of pulling off this kind of comeback against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if we had a Tennessee situation where towards the halfway point or three-quarter point of the game, they just pull the starters to rest them up for the next week. Yeah, because so, they just figure 
Yeah, what's the point? <laughs> what's the yeah, point? exactly. So I, I don't suggest you play any Jets this week unless you don't have a choice. Uh, yeah. And that includes Tyler Conklin. Yeah, there you go. So that is it for uh, week nine. Um, you can email in to the show. You can find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Conquer Your Draft. You can go to our website, conqueryourdraft.com. Good luck with your matchups, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.